Hello there fellow peregrinos, my name is Bradley Chermsov, I'm a two-time pilgrim. I have walked the Camino Portugues, I've walked the Camino Frances, and I'm also the author of the international best-selling Camino de Santiago memoir, The Only Way is West. I'm also the host of the Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast. So, if you're ready for this week's episode, go grab your boots and let's go Camino! Hello there, fellow peregrinos. Welcome to episode 69 of El Camino de Santiago, Pilgrim's podcast, where we talk about planning, preparation and packing for walking the road to Santiago, as well as tips, tricks and hacks and stories to make your journey along the way a lot more enjoyable. This week, we're talking to Miguel Garcia, who is from the USA, California, Rio Linda, they call it, where he lives, the beautiful river. And um, Miguel, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. You're welcome. Miguel, so we like to start in series two by asking how you answered the big question when you go to the pilgrim office in Santiago de Compostela. You stumbled through the doors after having walked so far and you cannot wait to get your hands on that Compostela. And they ask you the big question. And that is, what was your motive for walking? Would it have been religious or others? Well, my, my motive was just doing the adventure. Right. I, I just uh, retired from work in um, December 2017. Congratulations. So I, wanted to do, I wanted to do something big, something different, something I could do by myself without my kids or, you know, family. And I just happened to run into this and it sounded like a great idea. So when you say about doing something by yourself, I mean, it's interesting because I've been, I've had a few people ask me questions about whether they should do it with their partner, whether they should do it on their own. And in you, Miguel had recently had a, um, an article published in the Americans on the Camino magazine, which is called La Concha. And you wrote there, um, I understand there are some journeys that must be taken alone. It's the challenge, the feeling of I did this for myself, by myself, on my own. So why did you feel you had to do it on your own? Why not take a wife or kids with you? Why? Because, um, you know, we've, we've traveled all around the world as a family. Yeah. But uh, this was the first time I actually flew alone. And I just, I thought I wanted just to, you know, find out if I was able to handle situations, you know, able to, you know, you know, not relying on somebody, just, you know, figuring things out. And you said it, completing a Camino solo does wonders for self-confidence. So would you say you kind of just, you felt like you needed to tick that box to prove to yourself you could achieve it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, going out there by myself, meeting all these people, you know, and, and, and making a point to be more social was mm. very difficult for me. But I know I, I, you know, by my, all my research, a lot of people talked about that, how, you know, they're, you're, I guess you could walk alone and not talk to anybody, but, you know, you're basically forced to socialize. Hmm. And that is one of the advantages of walking alone is that you do broaden your social circle and broaden your horizons more than maybe you would have done if you'd have walked with, with a partner or friend or or your children for example oh yeah because i did not want to be you know not stuck i did not want to be in that just that stay in that little group and not see other things and not do other things and not talk 
to other people. I just wanted to, you know, whatever came, whatever happened, happened. Mm. You know. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, my wife is she's a very sociable person, but she has problems kind of opening up to people she doesn't know. Now, when we were, she never walked the Camino before, never done anything like this, similar to you. And when we were offered to make a pilgrim meal with people, with some pilgrims we met. She actually didn't want to do it. She felt really shy, really embarrassed. And I kind of pushed her and forced her into doing that. Um, and, you know, we actually went shopping with the pilgrims that we met, bought some supplies together, went back to the Alberg, cooked it all together, hung out in the kitchen, chatting. She was completely out of her comfort zone. Um, and she hated me for it. And she was giving me kind of funny looks. But at the end of it, she actually thanked me for for making her do that and said how much she actually enjoyed it. Would you say that you got a similar feeling from from having to having to open up your horizons and and talk to people that ordinarily you might not? Oh, yes. I, I, I was Could so nervous. Could you give nervous. a specific example? Well, I mean, I think for the first couple of days, I really kept to myself. You know, because I just didn't, I, I think I just really didn't know how to approach or how to interact with the, the, the diversity of people. I mean, I mean, California is pretty diverse, but on the Camino, I, I ran into people from literally almost every, all around the world, you know. Yeah, yeah. So would you say you were um, maybe an introverted character that was kind of not forced to be extrovert, but it was um, a good exercise for you individually and personal growth. Oh, yes. I had to um, talk to myself and say, okay, this is what I got to do. Yeah. I have to smile. I have to say hi. I have to say buen camino. I have to open myself. Mm. And that, mm. was, that was difficult for me. What would you say to someone else who maybe is kind of an extroverted character, sorry, an introvert, introverted character, and how would you say they could open themselves up more to the yeah the, the social gatherings that happen during the evening? Because it's not easy if, if it doesn't come naturally to you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you just what I like what I did. I just had to say, okay, I'm gonna do it no matter what, no matter how I feel, how nervous I got. I just you know I I forced myself to sit by people and talk to people and just open up, you know, introduce myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing I learned on the Camino, which is something I learned about myself was that, um, I'm quite a sociable character and, and, um, I, I liked meeting new people, but I did, did realize about myself that when I was in a group of new people, saw someone new, I would always wait for them to say hello. And I wouldn't be brave enough to break the ice or open enough and I, I saw that about myself and I said, from now on, whether I'm on Camino or off Camino, I'm going to be that first person to, to, yeah. to say hello. That was, that was something I learned about myself as well. And, and I think people are so open and friendly on the Camino that if, if that is something you want to draw out of yourself, there's no better place to do it because you're more often than not going to get a warm reception. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, it came to the point that I was, Saying hi to everybody, I was waving people down, and I, I, especially my second Camino, I, I thought I did so much better. I mean, of course, I was more at ease. I mean, 
yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about your two Caminos then, because you, you said your second Camino, um, and that was the Camino Portugues, and that was in 2019. You walked from Porto to Santiago. And you said in our pre-Camino chat, you'd made a few, you, you did a few things differently on your second Camino to the first. Could you tell me what you did differently exactly and why? Well, the first one was my backpack. Right. But the first time I walked, I probably carried probably close to 20 pounds, which was way too much. The, the, um, the, um, my Camino Portugues, I think I was without food and water. It was probably like six, seven pounds at the most. So how did you, how did you optimize your packing? Well, I didn't take all my electronical stuff like I did the first time. Expl be specific. What did you leave behind? Well, like? I left my laptop behind. I left all my connections. I had my phone and my charger for the phone, but that's that's it. You know, I left my Gro GoPros. I left all that stuff, and that that turned out to be quite a bit. Okay. And so, then all my yeah. and all that extra clothes. I had jackets. I had sweaters. I had this. I had that on my first one, and I didn't need them. So by optimizing it, you were a lot more comfortable when you walked the second time. Oh yes, a lot more. I mean, the backpack didn't. But the first, my first Camino, my backpack was hurting my shoulder, my lower back. I just struggled with it the entire mm. time. Yeah. The second one, it was it was nothing. No, it's it makes a massive difference to your whole demeanor when you're walking comfortably. With, oh, yeah. with not a lot of weight on your back, with the right amount of weight. I, I walked the Camino Portugues, I think it was the first time, 2017 or 18. I have to check that out um, off the top of my head. But um, I had come from the UK where I'd gone to do some work first. So I was doing a gig. Anyway, long story short, I had some musical equipment in my backpack with me. And I ended up carrying it with me on the Camino because I flew from the Camino to, to Portugal. And it was it was murder. It was absolute murder. I, I was yeah. hating it. I really, really, really didn't enjoy it as much as I could have. And then we went back again um, the following year. And, yeah, it was just so much more enjoyable because I made sure I was only carrying about six, I think, I think six kilograms without food and water, seven and a half kilograms with, uh, with food and water. And I said to my wife, I feel like I've got, I haven't even got a backpack on my back. Um, so, and I enjoyed it a lot more. So yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. You mentioned um, kind of your approach to walking as well, when we had a little chat before the start and how you did things differently. Oh, oh yeah. Well, the, the first time I walked just too long, too far, I was walking, you know, 20, 25 mile days and it just killed me. Hmm. The, the second time, I made sure I did not go more than, no more about eight to ten miles at the most. I, you know, I followed the guidebook, but I just stopped. And that way, I was able. I, 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 you know, some walks were, you know, I, I worked at it, but I was still. I didn't kill myself. I didn't get blisters. I didn't, you know, I didn't overexert myself. Mm. Mm. So you that, just, which, yeah, which made you know the walk just more enjoyable. Yeah, you stayed in your comfort zone, and you were, you were, you were never at the point where you were maybe feeling a bit tired or ratty or cheesed off, and um, so you're you're always in the enjoyment zone, basically. Yes. Yeah, and in your body and your spirit as well, because I mean, often when you're walking so far, 
if you're doing those 20, 25 um, K days, by the end of it, you've had enough. So um, yeah, I think that's a really good approach. I think something I've learned um, is maybe just, like we said, on, I think um, on a recent podcast about maybe walking just seven or eight K or an hour, an hour and a bit, then having a break and then doing a little bit more, more or less the same, then having a break. So maybe three sessions of that, and that can often add up to about 15 yeah. to 20K per day. And, and that's good going, you know? And yeah. you're always enjoying yourself that way. You're never at your limits. Yeah. Neither your, the yeah. limit of your spirit or or your physical limit. So yeah, good good plan. In terms of the um, the Camino Portugues and the Camino Frances, for you, how do they compare? Well, I thought, you know, my first Camino, my goal was just to speak Spanish. I wanted to consume myself in the culture. So, you know, and and, and I, I think, you know, after a few days of, you know, catching the rhythm of the language and a different dialect, I was able to, I mean, people were shocked I could speak English. That's how well I, you know, caught on. But um, my Portuguese was a little rough, but I did pretty good, I thought. Right, so you got a chance to kind of exercise the language muscle. Oh yes, that that was um, my goal: is just speak Spanish, don't speak any English, you know. And I I did I did that very well. I thought the um, the Portuguese as well. It's interesting because you can speak Spanish to them, and they will understand, and they'll often speak yes. back to you in Portuguese, and you can understand. I guess, yes. guess most of it. Um, so even though the pronunciations are are really really different. Um, but in terms of reading the language and the, okay, I guess it's got their derivatives of Latin, aren't they? So, um, yeah. yeah, so the language, there's a lot of areas where the languages overlap. Um, and you said about you, you've got Spanish heritage, right? Correct. And I, I think listeners will be, would, would kind of enjoy what your mum said about when you said you were going to go to the Camino. Oh, yeah. She wanted me to stop by and see my cousins and my uncles and I'll, Trying to tell her, well, it's not telling tell, tell this is a, you know, I'm going on this path and I'm sticking to this path as much as I can. I'm not going to be, you know, I don't have the ability to jump from city to city and town to town, yeah. you know, somewhere else in Spain. You know, I'm walking, I'm not driving. <laughs> if only it was so easy, huh? Oh, I, I wish I could have, but. So which part just, of Spain you know, do your, does your family hail from? From Salamanca. Right, so you're obviously quite away from Salamanca. Yeah. So you got that hot Spanish southern blood in your family. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Okay. okay. Well, I think it's more central, actually, Salamanca, isn't it? But um, yeah. all right. So um, you, you're picking up the dialect and you're trying your luck with a little bit of Portuguese as well. And um, in terms of which one you enjoyed most, what would you say? Uh, well, I thought I, you know, I thought the Spanish was. I was very proud of myself for being able to just blend in the way I was. Like I said, several people were just surprised I was American. Right. You know, they thought I was. They thought I was Spanish. Right. Okay. So you got the um, you picked up the dialects. You got the different pronunciations. The uh, so your name was Miguel Garcia, right in Spain. Yeah. Not, yep. Ga not Garcia. Yeah. Right. I mean, okay. Good stuff. He, okay. Because I ran into several Americans that were just amazed and they wanted to know where I learned to speak English so well. Oh, wow. Well, well, well there's a ma home. massive compliment <laughs> there, huh? Yes. 
Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot now, Miguel. Um, if, as well as your clothes, backpack, shoes and phone, you could only take one other thing with you, you can only take one other thing with you, as well as your clothes, backpack, shoes and phone, what was your most important thing apart from that? My pole. Your walking, walking pole. pole. Yes. Right, okay. Because I walked the Frances in April, and I, I went through so much snow and rain and mud going over, to, you know, Crucifiero and going to Osobrero. I was in the middle of storms there, and I needed those poles. So um, the poles are coming with you on every Camino? Oh, yes. I mean, they, they help you go over obstacles and help you on the way down. I mean, they just steady. For me, they just steady my walk. Yeah. And they keep you upright also. Yeah, and they give you a little bit of extra momentum and rhythm as well. Yeah. And what would you say, um, one piece of advice for caring for your feet? Um, what, what I did, I, you know, made sure I kept them dry and made sure that um, if anything hurt, I would stop and check it to make sure it wasn't a blister there. I didn't really have a blister problem, but I was, you know, worried about it because I've heard so many people say you know everybody gets blisters but i i did pretty good i had two little ones on both both my trips i had two very small blisters that's all i had and so how did basic, you yeah oh i i um they were small enough that i just um put um those pads on them and you know they eventually went away okay but the, the most important thing like you said is to deal with it there and then on the spot don't let it get out yeah. of hand don't let it yes, grow. Whenever, yeah, whenever I felt anything on my feet, I go, oh, time to stop, time to look. Yeah, that's just... exactly what you got to do. And and uh, while we're talking of advice, what's the best piece of advice you read or heard when you were preparing for your Caminos or Camino? I think the, the best part of advice is just don't overplan. You know, you know, you, you start and you end even on the same on the day, but you know, you just gotta absorb, you just gotta go with it, you know. Take a chance, you know, and you know, and just explore. Right. Just okay. don't just don't overbook everything, over plan everything and know what you're doing every minute. So be open to new opportunities and um yeah, just and if things don't go to plan, then just roll with the punches. Oh yeah, you you have to, you know. And that's the funny thing about my both Caminos. You know, I would be walking. I would be just looking at the trees, at the houses. And then I realized I haven't seen an arrow in a long time. I go, mm -hmm. oh. So I had to back up. I did that on both Caminos. I had to back up. Then I finally found where I was supposed to be. Then, you know. So you got lost. Oh, I got lost several times. How did you find your way back? That's a really, that's a really good well, question. I backtracked. Or right. um, like in, um, two, twice in, when I was in Portugal, someone, um, the locals waved me down and told me I was, I was going the wrong way. <laughs> wow, so, okay. I just, so I just backtracked and found where I made the mistake. I saw the arrow or saw the pilgrims and then I, I corrected myself. But yeah, I, I did that several times, but. So if you, you know, get lost, basically go backwards until you see another yellow arrow, or if you get lucky, then you might get the locals to uh, whistle you down and send you on the yeah. right on on the right path. 
Yeah, don't be afraid to say I'm lost. Because they, no. they, they, the locals know people get lost all the time. I mean, mm. they know what the route is. Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, I'm interested. You're, you're obviously, you're, your Spanish is very strong. Um, would you, would you, could you offer, um, offer up a Spanish phrase or word that, that would that can kind of uh, could get you out of a sticky situation or a commonly, commonly used one, like Camino? I usually tell them, hola, estoy perdido. <laughs> ¿Me puede ayudar? So I'm lost. Can you help me? Yes. Estoy and perdido. I, I, yeah, I did that a couple of times. And... Yeah. And yeah, they they don't have an issue helping you. No, At least I no. didn't. I didn't find that no. a problem. No, I mean, and even if you don't speak Spanish, the Spanish will still come and talk to you. That's for sure. Yeah. They, they oh, yeah, have a chat. I mean, for some, but I I would wander off the path for some reason. I just, you know, lost in the moment. Yes. Okay, so you've done two Caminos. Is there something you'd do differently? Were you to return for a third time? Well, my, my goal was to return again, but by the looks of it, it's going to be a several years right now. Mm. Um, my, go- my goal is to do the entire French way. Okay. So you, yeah. you did um, a part of it, which was Leon to Santiago last right. time. And, okay. and what you do differently is you, would, you liked it that much, you go and do the whole thing. Yes. Okay. Is there anything yes, you do and- differently in your planning or packing or preparation? Well, you know, the, the first time, the biggest mistake I made was that I bought a new backpack the day before I left for Spain. Mm. So so it was smaller, but I didn't train in it. Yeah. I think that the first day I must have, I think I stopped four times and unpacked and repacked because I was just not, you know, I did not, I wasn't used to that backpack. Mm. But um, basically, um, my my what I would do the second time it's just, you know, take it easy, take as many days as I need, and just don't push myself to exhaustion. Yeah. Stay in this sweet spot of enjoyment. Stay in your comfort zone. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think the backpack is an important thing. It's, I'm happy you mentioned that because it can, be, it can be very enticing. You see a brand new shiny piece of equipment. You think, hmm, I'll treat myself to that. But... Like you said, if you haven't trained in it, you don't. Your body and your backpack haven't really danced together yet. Yeah. Um, for you know, not just for one song, you're going to be dancing for an eight-hour set per day. Um, yeah. So. And day after day. <laughs> yeah, and you never know where where you're going to find the little bits of um, where it's going to chafe somewhere, or where, how it sits on your hips or on your back, or whether the waist strap's too tight. So the yeah. moral of the story, the, the lesson learned there is whatever you do, make sure you pre-train with a backpack as well as your oh, shoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really, I, really good advice. In, in my training, I was had my backpack packed. At least the second time, it was packed like I was going to walk. I had the, the shoes, and I wore the socks that I was going to be wearing. Mm. So everything of that, you know, was broken in. I felt comfortable. Yeah. When I got to Portugal... I was confident that I would actually do well. Yeah. The first time, I didn't know what I was doing. I I was so worried and concerned and afraid, you know, nervous. Yeah, and um, but the the most important thing is is like you said is that you you did something on on your own that you'd always wanted to do, and um, it was that massive boost of self confidence that you needed. Yeah. And what about your your children? Um, what did they say and, and your wife say and, and 
when you said you were going to go and walk off across Spain? Well, when I, when I first you know brought it to their attention at first, I don't think they believed me at first. You know, they oh. kind of blew it off, and you know, they they, they you know, I, I ride bikes. I'm a cyclist, but I've never really been a walker per se. You know, and so they that they didn't take me seriously. Then you know, I I I told them, okay, this is the date I'm leaving. I got my tickets. And, they, you know, my daughter just told me this, this last time I, she's in Florida, but last time I was talking to her, she um, said that she was just surprised because I've never done anything like that. I go, well, that's why I did it, <laughs> to, you know, to push myself. Yes, yeah, so that was one of the yeah. hardest things, pushing yourself, right? Yes. And, but yeah, sorry. They didn't, they, they didn't think I was going to be able to, especially walking every day, you know, day after day. They they just can couldn't conceive me doing that. What's the experience like as a, as a um, I mean I've never been a long distance cycler. I've done events on a bike, triathlons and stuff, but I've never been one for really going on long long rides day after day, week after week. It's never been a, a part of my life. From a cyclist's perspective, how what do you get out of walking that you that you what do you get out of walking that you don't get on a bike? Well, you see more because you're, you're, it's a lot slower. So you have time to mm. literally look and see and turn and stop. And, you know, you could hear the birds. You know, a lot of times when you're cycling, at least a lot of times when I'm cycling, I got my head down and I'm just, you know, just pedaling to get to the next point. So you're, you're more in touch with everything that's going on around you. Yes. In terms of, I mean, one of the biggest things about walking and and exercise is the is the endorphin rush, the the, the sense of of well being, the increased sense of well being that exercise gives us. And I found when I was on a, when I did a few bike rides, it, it would give me a kind of good buzz, you know, a really good buzz afterwards. Um, how does that buzz compare to walking for you? I'm inter interested because for me, I, I know the, the the feeling between cycling and walking well with the cycling is i think a lot of it is the, the speed mm. and just the distance because you know when you ride a bike you go a lot it comes more distance and then this way um next year since um i think you know spain's probably going to be closed a couple of years you know who knows but um mm. me and my friends are planning to ride our bikes across country i'm going to start in san diego and finish in florida that's our goal next year. Right. So that's, um, you said you wanted to do something big in your retirement. You've walked the Camino and that's huge. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, please keep us posted on that one. Um, and I just found like on a bike, for example, I'd get a, like quite a big high and then come crashing back down to earth a bit later. I'd, I'd be really, um, really spent after cycling whereas on the camino on long distance walking i find it more of a slow burning satisfaction yes yes and it is because you're just absorbing everything mm, yeah. i mean you're 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 absorbing everything at, at a walking pace mm. i mean you see everything you hear everything yeah you know yeah and when, when i walked i did not walk with headphones me neither no music no music i just i, I did not want to you know miss you know, the sounds and the people. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think personally, that's the way I get the most from my trip. But obviously, um, everyone walks their own Camino and, you know, whatever they have to do to 
get through hard days on the road. You know, sometimes a bit of music helps and it pick, gives you a pick, pick up when you're tired. Um, okay, so we're going to, it's story time now, Miguel. I want you to tell us that your hardest moment on the Camino. Uh, tell us about a day that stands out. Um, what was well, the hardest but, moment and what you learned from it and how you could offer others to get through something similar? Okay, the the worst the, the the hardest day I had is when I went from um, La Rambla, I think it is. No, is it? Yeah, when I went there to Molina Seca, when I went to the Cruz de Fierro, I, I that morning I skipped breakfast because I wanted to get an early start. I wanted to get up to the cruise, you know, when the sun was rising. So I didn't eat breakfast, and it was it was you know it and it was snowing. I mean, it was bitter cold. And, and through the towns I went through, everything was closed. All the shutters were down. There was just nothing open. So, you know, I made it to the cross. Then on the way down to Molina Seca, that that descent just killed me. Mm. I mean, because I had to go, I had to go so slow because it was, it was just snowing. And then, you know, you got water running everywhere. All those rocks, everything's so the slippery. The rocks are slippy, aren't they? Oh yeah, I they're, mean, they're was, even boulders in in you know on the way down, aren't they? Oh yeah, I mean, and by the time I got down to Molina Seca, you know that the bridge that enters Molina Seca, the yeah. Pilgrims Bridge, I think they call it. I was standing there, and it was Sunday afternoon. I was standing there, and people were, were walking by and asking me if I was okay, because I know I was doing bad. Because um, every time I tried to stop, my legs would shake. I mean, just uncontrollably. I go, okay, I'm in trouble here. So I got to keep moving. Because at this point, I haven't seen anybody. I mean, I was, I, 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 had an, I was using an app to make sure I was on, on course. And I kept checking my app because I literally did not see any other pilgrims. What, that what app were you using just out of interest? Um, oh, I can't remember now. Gonzo or? Right. Yeah, something Groms, like that. Was Groms, was it the Groms? Yeah, app? Groms, yes. Groms, G-R-O-Z-E, yeah, Groms Yeah, because I was, I was just, I did not see anybody, so I would check the app, making sure I was where I was supposed to be. Because, I mean, once you're climbing down, you you know, there's a lot of time all alone. And just so, that, that was the roughest day. I knew I was in trouble. You know, I got down. I, from from that bridge, I went to the little cafe, little market, and there were you know Sunday afternoon. So I finally found one that was open. You know everything closes sun Sunday afternoon mm -hmm. for some reason. And I you know they were out of any, any kind of meat, any they were out of bread. You know so I got a couple bananas and a couple drinks. Even the lady that was behind the counter came around the counter and asked me if I was okay. And I said you know you know I'm okay. I thought I was okay, but she told me to sit down, so I'm eating. I eat, I'm eating all the food I bought there, <laughs> and what she she ended up doing, she called the um the um the, the paramedics because she thought I was doing so bad. <laughs> so um, you know, you know what the the paramedics are, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure, right? sure. Okay, I know, I know there might be some difference between England and the United no, States. No, no, but... we call them the same thing. I know we call many oh, okay. things different, like a bum bag and fanny pack and uh, oh, okay. and sneakers okay. and trainers. But yeah, we use the same we use the same word for paramedics actually. Okay. So I'm sitting there and they came in, they checked my blood pressure and checked my eyes and you know start talking to me and they, you know and you know I was by then, you know, I've eaten and I I drank and I was feeling a lot better. I could tell I was feeling a lot better. 
And um, then they asked me where I was staying. So, you know, I had the paper with the, um, it was a little um, pension. And it just happened to be on the other, on the outskirts of Molina Seca. So I had to walk all the way through. And the guy asked me if I wanted a ride. I go, okay. So he gave me a ride. <laughs> so I didn't have to walk the rest of the way. Brilliant. Now, obviously, um, you weren't feeling great. You said you were in trouble. Would I be correct to assume the reason you were feeling in trouble was because you hadn't eaten? Uh, yes. Right. I, you know, I, like I said, the day before I left that day, I, I bought two bananas mm. and I bought a couple little fruit bars, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, I thought, I did not realize because of the weather, places would be shut down. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I did, And the fact I, it I, was a Sunday. Yes, and I and that I did not take account of as Sunday, everything closes down. Good, I yeah, mean, yeah, good point. We walked we walked through these towns and it was a ghost town. There was just nothing. Mm-hmm. Again, this this um, this issue came up on last week's podcast, and um, I'm glad you brought it up again because it hadn't been raised before. Remember, things close on a Sunday, and the moral of this story is number one: the Spanish are lovely, helpful people, and number two. <laughs> Make sure you have enough fuel to fire you through the Camino because yeah. um, it, you're going to go from feast to famine. You know, you, you're going to you're going to eat so much, and then you might not get a chance to eat because you're up in the mountains like you were. So um, you have to feast, feast. Sorry, at times like there is a famine, basically. So yeah. make sure you fuel yourself. I I came a cropper as well. Um, on my Camino Frances Miguel, I, I thought sandwiches were enough and bocadillos were enough to get me through. Um, and I, I think for the first four, five, six days, all I did was eat bocadillos um, because I wanted to keep going. I wanted to eat. I didn't yeah. want to stop in a meal, you know. And then anyway, uh, I think I was in a place called Via, Via Mayor de Monjardin. That was it. Anyway, that's like near Puente La Rena, around that area. And, um, yeah, I ended up crashing one day um, and couldn't go very far because I, I had a fever because I just wasn't eating. And as soon as I got some food in me, I felt better, just like you did. So, yeah, the, yeah. so lesson learned us both there. Um, we've both learned the lesson there, and that is just to make sure you get enough fuel inside you. Okay, let's talk about our favourite Alberg. Well, the, the, in the French way, I stayed at um, Hostad, La Puerta del Perdón, Perdón, in Via Franca. Okay, can you just say it again? Hostal La Puerta? Del Perdón. Del Perdón. Okay, and that's yeah. in where? In Via Franca. Via Franca del Bierzo? Yes. Okay, Via Franca. That was a pension. That was a pension, though. Okay. But I thought that was the most comfortable bed. Of course, I was very tired, but that was the most comfortable bed I ever had. Right, and, uh, so and, yeah, and, and the, the dinner they prepared was very good. I was, you know, and, and they had an excellent breakfast the next day, it was very nice place. Okay, great stuff. So, Hostal La Puerta del Perdón in Via Franca del Bierzo that's this week's recommended accommodation. Yeah. What about a, a bar or restaurant on the Portuguese or the um, the Frances? You know, what I did, you know, I I tried to stay away from the bars and the cafes that were just overwhelmed with 
pilgrim. So what I did, I would go and find the empty cafe, the empty bar, and just go in there. That way I could talk to the owner or talk to the people working. I mean, I, 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 that, that was my goal to do every time. I did not want to go to the masses. I wanted to, well, I was trying to, you know, consume myself in the culture. And the best way to do that is to talk to the locals. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I cannot say that I remember any specific, but I found these, just these little places along the way where I sat alone. I talked to the guy. Usually it was a male working and a, He'll bring out his wife eventually or his kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was like a family. I mean, it, it, I was part of that family at that moment. Yeah. And but that's, I, that, that, that's what I did on both Caminos. I mean, I wonder, I do wonder if we would, were to make this effort, to, to go out of our way to make this effort in our hometowns, we'd experience the same. Because on the Camino, people do... You know, the grandmas will come out and the kids will come out. The one-eyed cat will come out to, to meet you. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, that kind of magic happens on the Camino. Uh, I, I don't know if it happens in everyday life. No, I, I, I don't would, know, I Miguel. Think I, I don't know. It's a good question, but does it or what? What do you think? I don't, at least. Do you think it's because we're closed, more closed in our everyday life? Yes, I, and I think just, you know, the way the, the, the societies are structured here that, Mm. It's just not common. It's not, you know, we're not we're, we're not brought up that way. Mm. I think what you're describing there is the magic and the spirit of the Camino. Oh yes, I mean, and I think it, it's those, it, yeah. Because you know, I would I would start walking the next day. I'll run to some people that say, "Oh, we ate here, we ate there." I go, "No, I went to this little place, and you know, I just talked to talk to the family." Yeah. You know? no, yeah, I, I really, I really like that approach, um, and I, I think it's little things like that that make the Camino so special, and why people keep going back again and again. So, your advice would be, maybe try some of the quieter bars every now and again, and you never know, kind of how you're going to get to know the owners and um, what you might end up doing or who you might end up speaking to. Yeah, because those couple times I did eat at the, you know, with all the pilgrims at the pilgrim meals and, you know, stuff like that, which was, which I had a good time doing, but I wanted to consume myself in the culture. Yes. And get get to know the people. These are, you know, the real Spaniards, yes. not, you know, the tourists in the, in the big cities. I wanted to, you know, mm. immerse myself. I must say you I, you had an advantage as well, being fluent in the language. Oh, yeah. That opens oh, yeah. doors that ordinarily might not, you know, so, oh. yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that helps out a lot. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And this, and oftentimes uh, the locals in these little villages, probably their English won't be that strong. So that's why your Spanish um, was probably so... Um, such a nice surprise for them. So, I mean, talking of surprises, I mean, was there a hidden gem along the way, like somewhere that, that you hadn't heard of that you thought, oh, this town is amazing or this place is amazing? You know, I thought Molina Seca was beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wish I, I wish I would have stayed an extra day there and I probably should have since I, you know, struggled so much the day before. I wish I would have just took the day off and just spent the day and mm. explored and, saw all the sights because you know when you only have a few hours in the evening or the afternoon 
you could see stuff, but you don't get to see a lot of it. Yeah, Molina Seca is beautiful. Um, after you cross that, and one of the reasons it's so beautiful is because you're finally on flat ground after getting out of the mountain. But oh, yes, <laughs> yeah, but it is a lovely, lovely, quaint little town. So Molina Seca will be this week's hidden gem. And it just dawned on me after so many times I've mentioned this place and, and reading about this place, it actually means dry windmill. But anyway, yeah, I didn't. I yes, don't remember uh, seeing a windmill there. I might just. No, I don't think I. Saw, and I don't know if I really looked because I was, um, you know. Anyway, that's a bit of useless information for you there, everybody. Dry at windmill. That is this week's um, this week's hidden gem. Okay, so and we're going to dive into some some quick fire questions now. Um, so this is what we call our lap of honor round. So just like when you can walk to finish there from Santiago as a lap of honor, um, we're going to go our lap of honor questions. So favorite Camino okay. blog, vlog, book, and or film. Well. Um... The, the Camino de Santiago forum is what I followed. I, I like reading all the different stories, all the different questions people answer and ask. That's what I basically used a lot. And movie, it would be the way. I just like that movie a lot. I like Martin Sheen a lot. You know, I thought he's, I think he's a very good actor. Favorite food and or drink on the Camino? Um, tortilla de patatas was my favorite. I just loved it. And I love their orange juice. Mm, that's a good breakfast. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that, well, I, I would drink it all day almost. <laughs> Should have had it on the day you walked to, to Cruz de Yeah, I, I wish I would have. Lesson learned. Um, one thing you wished you'd packed. Um, nothing really. I mean, I, I had everything I needed, especially the second one. I, 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 I thought I did very well. I planned very well. I, I used everything I had and I did not need anything. One thing you didn't need on your first Camino wouldn't take again. All the electronics. All the electronics, apart from your phone, right? Right. My, my phone, I needed it because, you know, I did, pro you know, my, my family was very concerned that I was going to be wandering in the middle of nowhere by myself. So I, I, I had to, I, made, I told them I, I would give them a call every day when I was done. To make sure that I was okay. A guilty pleasure you may have carried with you. Um, nothing really. I mean, would have been the laptops on the first one, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. all that looked. I you just don't need all that stuff. All my my laptop, all the my GoPro camera. I didn't need that. A Spanish product or shop that came in useful. Um, I don't know. I mean, I. I bought very little of anything, just besides food and drink. I mean, so I really didn't need anything. I didn't need to buy anything. Okay. Weirdest thing you saw someone carrying on the Camino, perhaps? Oh, you know what I saw? The weirdest thing was hmm. there was a group of men in kilts. Right. Okay. And, and this was. And the, it was um, snowing. Yes. Right. And that was, I was going to say that that was the day I was going up Old Sombrero because, you know, the. the um, the the um the big the question trail... is were you were you above them or below them? If you're below them, oh, then, you, then you have to below, find out what they're man. wearing underneath the the kilts, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because we had to walk the street, the road. Yeah. Because the the trail was closed because there was so much snow. So I, I first I looked, I go, are those guys wearing skirts? I go, well, they're kilts, but oh. 
It's like, oh my, you, they you have better to be not freezing. Call it, you better not call oh. them a kilt if they're Scots, uh, skirts, if they're Scotsmen. They'll be oh, I know, I know, I know that. <laughs> but I, I, I was thinking, God, they have to be cold. <laughs> yeah. Because well. I was cold and I had my base layer and I had my, yeah, I had everything on and I was freezing. Yeah, I know that. I know that feeling, Miguel. I, I just moved to the north of England and I go out in the morning to walk my dog. I'm wearing pajama bottoms under my under my jeans. I'm wearing a vest. I'm wearing a t-shirt, a jumper, a coat, um, hats, gloves, scarf, and and I see the locals walking around wearing shorts. Yeah, I, I was just I was I I never seen I've seen that people once in a while, but yeah. I've never seen a group of people like you know in that weather. They seem to be comfortable. Did you find out if they were Scotsmen or not? Or, well, no, I, I did talk to them, and they did have, you know, I don't know the difference between a, you know, Scottish accent or a, you know, I, I I've never, you know, but um, they 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 look pretty, to in my I didn't ask them, but they look Scottish. Any any ginger hair there? Any what? Ginger hair. Oh yeah, they were redheads. Okay, well there you go. They're probably Scottish then. We'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll leave that one there. <laughs> um, okay, so Miguel, what was the for you? Um, and feel free to kind of elaborate more on this one. Um, what was the biggest, most important lesson you took from the Camino back home and applied to your life? What was the most uh, the lesson you could apply easiest to your life back home? It's basically just be open. Hmm. Be more, be more social. Be more open to other people. Can you give a specific example of how you've applied that to your life back home? And well, you know, um, you know, ever since I, I retired, I've been retired almost three years now. Hmm. You know, I basically lost a lot of. I didn't lose my friends, but I just don't have that interaction anymore. Hmm. So now I'm kind of forced to when I go riding or I go to a local bar or whatever, you know. Just be open to say hi, you know, introduce myself and or talk about the beer or, you know, just be open to communicate. And I, and I, and I, I think I do that because I, I think I do that a lot better than I used to. Hmm. You know, that actually kind of, I think, ties in neatly with um, the closing paragraph that you wrote for La Concha in the article you wrote for La Concha when you said once you walk you're a pilgrim you remain a pilgrim throughout your life so it's like the pilgrim Miguel is now back home yeah I, I, I would think the pilgrim yeah, in you is coming out in your everyday life yeah yeah and, and, I, and I wish I could have walked again this year mm. I, I mean I was planning on it I was looking forward to it. Yeah. I was, but, you know, things just didn't happen. There's a lot of lot of us that have that same sense of disappointment this year. Um, and I guess we just have to accept that Mother Nature has, um, has decided that everyone's going to do something different and hopefully she's got a bigger, better plan in store for us all. That's all I can... All I can hope, and that's the one thing that keeps me motivated, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it says, you wrote as well, the Camino will give you time and space to see the good, the bad, and the ugly about yourself. And with every step, you learn to follow the rhythm of your heart. When you find it, you begin to be believe in the magic of the pilgrimage. So, is that the ma the ma most magical thing about the Camino for you that that you follow the rhythm of your heart? 
Oh, yes, because, you know, um, there were several days, especially my first Camino, mm. that I was, you know, up to the up to Saria, up to that point, there's days I walked all by myself. And, you know, when you're walking by yourself with nobody around, you just think about everything. You, I mean, you have to. And, you, know, you think about your past, your present, you know, you think about how you, you're interacting. You, know, you just think about a lot of things to go through your mind. Mm. Like, like you wrote, you'll find yourself alone with your thoughts, your fears, regrets, and struggles will all surface along the way, sometimes one by one, and, uh, and other times all at once. And the following day, you're refreshed, recharged, renewed, and full of life. So it's like that, the, the act of just walking every day kind of brings some perspective and it helps you to process it. And then it's like some kind of sense of closure on the road, maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, and seeing how... The people, the local people live so simply. Mm. It's, it's just, it's a simple, you know, they don't have, you know, all the, I say all the garbage we have, but, um, you know, they, they're happy and they're happy. They're content. They're happy with their lives. Mm. I mean, that, that just kind of, um, it reminds me of a, of a sentence that I heard a guy called, I mean, I'm, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy called Wim Hof. Um, and he's, uh, he's, he's a bit of a crazy man. He's walked up Mount Everest, Mount Kilimanjaro, wearing only a pair of shorts. Um, and, uh, he's basically trying to promote this, this technique that he believes can cure, cure people's depression. Um, and it's all based around cold water, um, therapy. So cold showers and, um, this breathing techniques. And he says, um, the only thing that matters are happiness, strength, and health. The rest is is not important. And I think the Camino definitely makes you come face to face and gives you a sobering realization about what is important and what isn't, and whether you are close to those values or not. Oh yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. Mm. Yeah, and that that's why I love the Camino because it, it is so much of a spiritual. An emotional reboot, and that's what yeah. I think is one of one of the one of many magical things about the Camino. We spoke earlier on, um, Miguel, about your lowest moment, your hardest moment. So let's finish the, the the podcast on a higher moment. What was your highest moment where you had that sense of elation? Was it walking into Santiago when you first finished? Was it climbing Cruz de Ferro? Um, was it getting your tortilla and orange juice one morning? What was your the, the highest moment for you? Well, you know, uh, I was the, my second Camino. I was talking to some people from Belgium. I was telling because both times I walked into Santiago, it was pouring rain. I mean, both times I walked in there, it was raining so hard that there was no pilgrims out in the square or anything. That's how bad it was. The weather was, but I think. Though still walking there, I think arriving there and saying, "Oh, I finished," especially the first time, it was such a relief. It was such an for me, it was a big accomplishment. You know, I walked, um, you know, three hundred kilometers, and I before then I couldn't tell you I walked any kind of distances. That was a, the biggest accomplishment I've had, I believe. Mm. And how does it compare to other accomplishments in your life, for example? Well, this one, 
It's because since I did it and I was doubting myself that I could actually do it, you know, I had to push myself. I had to get there, you know, and I had to work on it to get there. Mm. I think that is that that's what um you know it was it was such a nice feeling to just walk in there and say ah oh, I'm here I did it. And when you picked up that compostella when you had it in your hand, was it a sense of satisfaction that you'd finished or? Was it? Oh, yeah, I, was there any worry that you know what's next? You know, because you're retired and you know you're looking for new challenges. And was did it come to your mind to walk to right across America at that point? Well, riding across America has been a goal I've had for many years. Right, many years. But you know, well, when I was working, you know, to take you know, it's going to take me probably about two months to do. I think, you know, to take that kind of time off without pay it was just not, you know not just not you know i couldn't do that mm. but now that i have the time and now that basically europe is shut down for me <laughs> i can't leave the country i mean this is probably the best time i have to do it and then i have several people that are going to do it with me that actually done it before so i have somebody to go with that you know that you know could help me through the process but um, yeah. i have both my compostelas on my wall you and me both, Miguel. You and me both. Mine's currently got the light bulb shining into it, blinding me. But yeah, it's uh, it's something to be proud of, isn't it? Oh yeah, to me, it's, it's a big accomplishment because I have both my compostelas and my um, my passport, my pilgrim passports in the same framing. Mm. You know, that way I see them every day. I see them multiple times a day. And they never thought you were going to do it either. Oh no, I mean. Even after I did the first one, when I told him, "Well, I'm going to try the, I'm going to do the Portuguese way," I go, "Are you sure? You struggled so bad the first time." I go, "Well, I hopefully I learned, which I did, and I I just enjoyed I enjoyed the walking, and you know, since the second one I was you know a lot shorter distances, I I I I, I could do it again. I could do it every year, multiple times a year if I if I could, yeah." Well, now you're retired, and and you never know if this vaccine gets approval that the that uh, borders might fling open again. We can here's hoping. Um, maybe you get to come back and do um, the whole Frances, like you said. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I, I would love to do it again. And um, and I, I I since next year my goal is to ride my bike across country. I think um, probably twenty two or twenty three. I, I I will walk again in Spain. Okay, just to finish then, uh, Miguel, a Camino song. You don't have to sing if you don't want to. It's absolutely not expected. But a, a song that can get you in the Camino mood or remind you of the Camino and could help motivate others to walk it or... or... Well, the, the, the only Camino song I, I could think of right now is um, Dan Mullins' song. Right. Along the Way. Somewhere you know, I, along the way. Uh, yeah, somewhere along the way. Yeah. Right, so Dan Mullins is called Somewhere Along the Way. Yeah. And Dan also has um, the Camino podcast, which is called My Camino. So look that one up as well. If you haven't already, where have you been? Um, so we won't make you sing it, Miguel, not unless you want to. No, I, I, I couldn't remember all the lyrics, but I remember the lyrics. Are you the, sure the you, don't wanna, you don't want to surprise your family? You surprised them once. 
by actually walking the Camino. You don't want to sing a song for them? No, no. No, no problem, I, no problem. You'll probably, you'll, probably listen, you'll probably lose all your listeners. No, too, no, I've probably, probably done that already because <laughs> I was singing, to be honest with you. And sorry, Dan Mullins, um, for uh, for not singing in tune, but somewhere along the way, look that one up, guys. And Dan's got a great Camino album out there as well. To go and look that up as well. Miguel Garcia, muchas gracias por tu tiempo. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and thanks for sharing all your stories. Thanks for sharing all your, I guess, um, we won't call them regrets, but lessons that you've learned along the way that I'm sure are going to come in helpful to others. Um, and thanks for your time. It's been a real pleasure and a privilege to speak to you. All right. Thank you very much. And I, I love your podcast. Thank you very that. much for listening. And um, you are the star of this show. So um, it's been an honor. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Miguel. Buen camino. Buen camino. <laughs> <laughs>